Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we're here to... Uh, break down the heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, vomit-inducing loss to Illinois last week, 48-45 in overtime, as well as look ahead to the old brass spittoon game. We'll also talk about uh, the future of Tom Allen and Bloomington and why some fans feel like they need to lose out uh, to have a change uh, be made or make it clearer that a change needs to be made. Uh, we'll also talk about the uh, in for Indiana day. If you haven't heard uh, today, November 14th uh, in for Indiana is a campaign that is uh, run by Hoosiers connect and Hoosiers for good. There is a million dollar match for the second year in a row. So every dollar you give is matched up to a million dollars. Uh, so TJ, don't write your check for a million dollars just yet. Um, but uh, yeah, every every dollar is matched up to a million dollars thanks to an anonymous donor, and uh, we'll have all the stuff this afternoon. The football segment of it uh, that I am hosting with Philip Bleedy and Aaron Casey as guests uh, is at one thirty to two thirty p.m. We'll be on inforindiana.com we'll have the recordings up on hoosierhuddle.com as well and we'll try and get the the live feed up on um our twitter as well at hoosier underscore huddle uh but you know how technology works it, it really really does what you want it to do but uh, a great cause nil is super important uh in modern college sports uh, and this is a uh a drive that we've been putting together for uh, about six weeks now and uh, excited to see where it goes as of this recording right now uh indiana uh, the in for indiana um donations have topped thirty two thousand dollars of a million dollar goal so i uh, would like to see that that number rise here um you know before lunchtime but we'll see so uh tj how are you doing yeah, doing great. Um, I, I wouldn't say excited to talk about uh, the Illinois game, but uh, certainly a lot to unpack uh, in that game. I, I mean, you, let's let's go through the things that went in Indiana's favor, things that you perhaps did not expect uh, in the week leading up to the game. You've got a backup quarterback in for Illinois, uh, Baltimore State transfer John Paddock uh, making his first start for the Illini, first start in the Big Ten. Um, your offense goes for uh, 42 points in regulation, um, and you get 
the yards was at 400 and for uh, 451. Uh, 451 in yardage. Brandon Soresby throws for 289, uh, including 8.8, or I'm sorry, 13.1 yards per completion and three touchdowns. He also runs in a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Soresby plays a great game. Uh, Wasn't flawless, but played very well. You get help from a special teams aided touchdown as uh, Illinois muffs a punt and gives you a short field that you capitalize on. Um, You get Illinois going with uh, Reggie Love comes back, but Caden Fagan gets hurt during the game and misses a, you know, somewhat significant portion of that game and you lose. I mean, if you, if you tell Indiana fans, Hey, you're going to get a really good game from Brendan Soresby. He's going to look awesome. Illinois is going to muff a punt, and you're going to score 42 points in regulation. You're thinking you blew Illinois out. Yep. We know that's not what happened because the defense had an absolute shocker. Yeah. Illinois, I mean, there's no explaining John Paddock, it. 21.1 yards average per completion. He throws for 507, yeah. and they go for 662 yards of offense, averaging 9.3 yards per play. Just complete and total collapse from the Indiana defense, and IU loses in overtime. Um, I think everybody knew when Indiana only got a field goal, there was – zero hope that the defense was going to hold Illinois to a field goal or not score at all. It was just a matter of what play are they going to score on? And sure enough, it was another open receiver uh, as Isaiah Williams kind of just jogs across the middle of the field wide open. And John Paddock evades the pass rush uh, and completes that pass credit to Paddock. He played very well. Uh, was accurate on his throws, but my goodness gracious, there were guys wide open all game long. Yeah. For Indiana, for your competitive season, you know, your chance at a bowl game to end that way, boy. um, Disheartening. There are other. Hard to stomach. Yeah. There are are words that I could use that are probably going to get the podcast in trouble so i won't use them but it was a disheartening loss um you know it 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 was shocking indiana was up 27 12 uh you had numbers are unbelievable yeah you had a ton of momentum i think the espn fpi had iu at a 96 percent chance of a win at that point you had a chance to go down and increase the lead after halftime um now look that I use clock management at the end of the first half was baffling um, yet again. And, and these are the things that, that the fan base is tired of in year seven of Tom Allen, that you're punting with 16 or 13 seconds. The last I saw it was 16 could have been 15, could have been 13 um, by the time he kicked it. But with over 10 seconds left on the play clock with under two yep. minutes to go in the first half is inexcusable. 
There is no excuse for that. Illinois goes down. They score with 18 seconds left on the clock. Well, they might have scored anyway, um, given that the Indiana defense was terrible. Uh, it, it just, you know, it, it's those, as Alex said on on after the dust settles, when you live on the margins, you have to be perfect in everything. And they were really good on offense. They were pretty good on special teams, and you're awful on defense, and your clock management at the end of the first half um, was, was not not good. Um, you also had a blocked extra point, um, and then, you know, you go down right after the, you know, first drive of the third quarter, you get down to the Illinois 18, you get a penalty that backs you up, uh, and then you fumble uh, – like a, a self-inflicted wound on a handoff, you know, bad snap causes a timing issue. The mesh point goes to hell and, and the ball's on the ground. And Johnny Newton, who did nothing but fall on the ball, gets the fumble recovery uh, and, yep. and things like that. And then, you know, you're going down, looking to score again. And yeah, there was probably a defensive holding on the play. Brandon Sorcey throws a pick that takes points off the board. That, this was a Kevin Wilson game. It was, I think, I think it was you who texted the group text. This is like Brian North's defense. And, you know, it was yeah, who's yeah, ever, yeah. who's ever defense makes one stop was going to win. And Illinois did that. They had the fumble recovery, the interception. Um, and then they, yeah, I, I might say Indiana stopped themselves in overtime uh, that, I know they had success with the draw on the last drive where Brandon Sorsby looked phenomenal, gives you a lot of uh, hope and excitement for the future, which is also why NIL is important because you don't want somebody coming in and saying, Hey, Brandon, you could come start here um, and and we'll give you some NIL money and, and stuff like that. But, you know, he, he ran the draw well, but, you got to remember Illinois is dropping a ton in pass coverage. The The middle of the field is wide open. Uh, and then he throws an absolute dart to uh, Andre, um, Andre Carter, not Andre Carter, the keys Carter. The keys, uh, yeah. Two, really, two on that drive. Yeah. To the keys Carter and then finds EJ Williams in the back of the end zone on an extended play for the two point conversion. You get to overtime. You think, Oh my goodness, Indiana might pull this out. It's a, it would be a miracle. Uh, and you know, they ended up running draws on second and third down. They run that stupid option play again. Um, that it's just not working. Brandon Sorsby does not run the option. Well, he does not test that, um, you know, the, the read defensive player at all to the outside shoulder. And it, it just, I mean, it's basically you're stringing out a sweet play. And as long as yeah. Illinois stays sound on their assignments, um, it, it gets stopped. And then two more draws. You don't throw the ball to Donovan McCulley, who had 11 catches for 137 yards. And the times he didn't catch the ball, usually flagged for a penalty, either defensive holding or pass interference. Uh, EJ Williams yeah. was unguardable. Illinois could not stop Indiana's passing game. And you don't pass the ball in overtime, which, I, look, it's the last time you saw Indiana's offense on the field, and that's what you're going to hammer them home about. But at the end of the day, it's a eliminating loss for, for Indiana, who was in this playoff mode. They put all their chips, uh, you know, pushed all their chips to the middle of the table. It worked for two weeks. Uh, and, and then you lost. So 
we'll see we'll see where Indiana goes uh from here. But before we get to Michigan State, TJ, let's talk about the future of this program. Uh, not just the next two games, but down the road. Uh, because a lot of things happened this weekend um that have kind of accelerated the coaching carousel. Jimbo Fisher gets fired at Texas A&M, and they're going to pay his $76.8 million buyout, plus the buyout of the assistant coaches, plus you're probably going to have to buy out another coach at another school to bring him in. So you're probably looking at $100 million spent on the coaching staff there for a guy who was like 18 games over 500. Uh, you saw Mississippi State fired uh, Zach Arnett uh, as well I think yesterday. Year. Yeah, after one year. They they knew. So my question to you is what's the future? And I the no crystal ball, but what is the future that you think is uh, of Tom Allen at IO? Right. So the uh, I think that the vast majority of people would answer this question with their opinion, which their opinion would be it's time to move on. We've seen enough. Indiana finds ways to lose. You you have to look at the beginning of the season was largely offensive issues. So you make a change, and okay, now we're gonna we're gonna try Rod Carey, offensive coordinator. And I'd I'd have to say you would you would say, hey, it's been an improvement. Has it been a smashing success? No, there there are still issues on offense, but you know. It, that's not Rod Carey's fault. He's not a miracle worker that can fix everything over the course of one or two weeks. But I would think you would look at that decision, that move, and say, okay, well, that was a success. However, what that means is that you, Tom Allen, failed the hire of Walt Bell. Because what this simple change to Rod Carey shows is, look, there is talent on that offensive side of the ball and you put them in a position to succeed or to fail with your hire of Walt Bell. That falls on you, the head coach. You then look at, okay, we've made that change on offense. We've improved some on offense. We put up some good numbers against Penn state, but still found a way to lose that game at the end by playing safe. And then you beat Wisconsin, but then the Badgers turn around and get blasted by Northwestern, and you you beat a backup quarterback with Wisconsin. So, okay, you know, I don't take credit away, but if you're the administration having to look at everything to determine the future, well, maybe that Wisconsin win doesn't really mean much. And then you've got Illinois with a chance – against a very, very mediocre football team, and I'm being kind there, a very mediocre football team with a backup quarterback making his first start in the Big Ten, your offense plays really well, but again, you find a way to lose by just completely collapsing on the other side of the ball. Yep. The side of the ball that you, Tom Allen, our head coach, are supposed to be really good at and for your defense now i understand tom allen not the play caller but still your defense because you're the head coach 
to get completely demolished by John Paddock, who threw for the second most yards in school history for Illinois, for that to occur as the game that ends your bowl chances, I think you would have to look at it and say there is no reason for us as an administration to believe that you have a realistic chance to fix this moving forward. So if I'm making the decision, I have seen enough to know that Tom Allen is not the right person to lead Indiana football moving forward. However, we have to consider a couple of things. Number one is going to be the buyout. It's not my money. I'm not paying the buyout. So is that money there to pay the buyout? It should be. We have seen other schools do it. So it should be, but we can't answer that here on this podcast. We don't know that. The second thing you have to consider is anytime you fire somebody, you have to hire somebody. So has the administration had those conversations and lined up who is going to be the next head coach? And is it an upgrade on Tom Allen? You cannot make a change just to make a change. You have to know and believe, okay, we believe that we are upgrading at the head coach position. We believe that this change we are making is for the best of the program and that the person we are hiring has a clear plan and we have clear resources in place to back that plan and make it a success. We don't know if that's going to happen, but that's what has to happen. The administration has to find a head coach candidate that they believe in, ask that head coach candidate, Mr. Mr. X, whatever the coach is, what do you need to succeed here? What can we get you to succeed here? That coach needs to have a plan of what he needs, because if he doesn't know, then he's not the right guy. Nope. So he needs to have that plan. He needs to lay that plan out and say, I need this, this, and this. And then you, the administration, need to say, you know what? We have failed previously time and time again since Bill Mallory. And Tom Allen has not been a failure. Okay, Tom Allen had success, and by Indiana football standards, Tom Allen has been a, a good coach. That does not mean it's time to keep him. But it is unfair to call him a total failure at Indiana. No, he's the but, fifth winningest coach in IU history. I think he's right. going to average around, let's say the IU wins out, he's averaging around five wins per season. Which, if yeah. you look at the history of IU football, that's above average. And it might yeah. like be significantly above average. So, yeah, right. but just like everything has the Tom Allen era run its course. And in a sport where everything changes quickly, you cannot hang on to somebody too long um, right. and, and things like that. Now, look, if you're uh, we've seen it at Tennessee, Texas, Michigan, um, that success, it's not guaranteed with the new coach, even if you've had success. 
You know, Tennessee is still trying to rebound from the Phil Fulmer era. Uh, Texas is back and then not back and then is back and then loses some stupid game and they're not back. Uh, Michigan, it took Michigan a, a sign-stealing scandal to, to turn it around. Um, I mean, Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat after the 2020 season, and they really didn't have success since, uh, you know, 2006 and 2007. Uh, with Lloyd Carr, there there are numerous examples of just firing the coach or getting rid of the coach is not always the answer. You have to well, find let, you have to find the right guy. Yeah, let me ask you this: What are and I've got a few in my head. What are examples of programs that have historically struggled that have made a change and have done things that have elevated that program to? a level of either competence or uh, I, I think that what you're looking for is consistent bowl games is kind of that, that step that you look to get to is being consistently competitive and consistently making bowl games. Does that mean every year? Not necessarily. Does that mean like three out of four? I, I think so. Um, so what, what programs can Indiana look to as a blueprint? The one that immediately comes to my mind, or there are two. Number one is Wisconsin. Number two is Kansas. Are the, uh, the two programs here that have recently, Wisconsin being, you know, an older case, but one that I remember, I mean, they were awful. Barry Alvarez comes in and turns them into a consistent winner. The second yeah. being Kansas, which is a very recent example. They had a couple of good seasons under Mark Mangino, but by and large, a major, major struggle for that program. They hire program builder Lance Leipold, give him resources, give him a little bit of time, and you immediately saw they were more competitive. They they got their, their doors blown off, but they were at least playing hard and more competitive in kind of that year zero, if you will, for him, where he was just totally resetting the roster. And now they are a consistent bull team. Still in the process of kind of building to that next step, we'll see how it goes in the new Big 12 for them. Um, and it's not a perfect example because what IU has to deal with is a ultra-competitive Big 10. So, you know, it, it's even perhaps a a higher bar to jump over. Uh, but what comes to your head as sort of kind of blueprints that IU administration could look at and say, see, this is possible. I mean, Kansas state is the obvious one. And I know, and it happened twice, um, you know, with Bill Schneider coming in, in the eighties and he, Kansas State was what Indiana football is now. They were the first to lose 500 games in college football history. They were the losingest program in college football. All the things that IU fans say now about IU's program, that was Kansas State before Bill Schneider. Bill Schneider comes in. It takes him a few years to get it right um, and get the, the players in. Now, look, it was a heck of a lot easier. Um or less complicated. I wouldn't say easier, you know, less complicated. You didn't have to deal with NIL. You didn't have to transfer portal. Um, yeah. you, you didn't have nine conference games. 
you could schedule two F, you know, FCS Division One AA at that time, but he set the blueprint. He wanted, you know, he he redid the the Kansas State logo. As silly as that sounds, that was a big deal. He got out of every buy game that Kansas State was, you know, sacrificing themselves for for money, uh, and, and got teams that they should win, uh, win against, um. You know, they he, he he got the facilities upgraded. He got the stadium upgraded. And, you know, when you think of Kansas State now, it's all right. They're not always going to win the Big 12 or uh, whatever that conference is turning into. But, you know, they're in contention every year. They won it last year. Uh, they upset. Oklahoma in the when Oklahoma was really good in the late 90s early 2000s um you know the Dar- Darren Sproles teams and, and all that stuff he had a vision and that's what you talked about with the next coach you need a vision and you need an athletic director who will heed to that vision and say all right here's your vision here's what we could do uh you know here's the timeline of it obviously not everything could get done in year one uh, because nothing ever works that way, especially if you're building stuff as as we've seen on on uh, State Road 37 and 69. Sometimes it takes decades, but you have to have an AD that goes, okay, I understand what you need. We're, we'll get it for you. Um, you know, give us some time. Here are the things we could do right away. We try and get out of the Notre Dame series. We got out of the Louisville series. We're playing Western Illinois. Um, you know, we're doing this NIL campaign, stuff like that. We're going to give you the tools to succeed. You're doing the the football-only weight room, which the more I think about it, the sillier it is um, in terms of of using using money. But, um, you know, all, the, all those things, uh, making players available, uh, just the, the attitude of, of the program, that's – if you want these standard to follow, it's Kansas State. Yeah, Wisconsin was kind of a later version of it, and then Kansas State did it again. Bill Schneider retires. Um, I forgot who they brought in, uh, but he Ron Prince. Yeah, Ron Prince. He had one good year, went downhill. He he went out. Bill Schneider came back in. Bill Schneider retires again. They go get Chris Kleinman from what was it, North Dakota State. Uh, to come in and that program is, you know, back to being consistent and, and things like that. consistently in the top 25, consistently a dark horse in, in the big 12 um, and just a really good program uh, for, for a team in the really in the middle of nowhere in Kansas um, that had no 30 years ago was where IU is now. So it, it's, yeah. it, you're able to dig out of that hole you just you need some sort of vision and that's what i think iu lacks is at least publicly there is no vision for football but um we'll get to coaching hot seats and coaching carousel and all that stuff when and if uh anything becomes official but you know the the final question on this tj if it's totally reasonable for an iu fan to want to lose out but I'm going to tell you right now, if that's what it takes it's for, for the athletic department to realize that it's not working, that makes yeah. me nervous because you, you probably should have saw this 
games maybe a season ago down the road that all right we, we might have to do something yeah so. i the outcomes of games against a awful michigan state team and a below average purdue team uh, should not impact this decision one way or another i'm not saying they won't i'm saying they should not yeah uh, the decision should be completely independent of these results um whether or not that is the case i don't know but uh i, I agree with you for sure um turning to michigan state briefly here uh, there's no reason to really dive into this game all that much just because, uh, you know, I use not going to a bowl game. Um, but, you know, it's the old brass platoon. It's a rivalry game. You you want to win those. Um, closing with two rivalry games is interesting. Uh, kind of a little wrinkle to the schedule this year. But uh, Hey, it happened last like year too. First, yeah, it's true. Yeah, the first thing you look at, um, which team shows up uh, focused during the week of practice, you know, uh, Michigan state also not playing for anything. They know they're going to have a new coaching staff next year. Uh, really for those guys, it's all about putting, uh, putting stuff on film either for their next school uh, or to kind of try and impress the, whoever the new coaching staff is going to be. Um, so which, which, of these two teams is going to have any type of focus for this game during the week of practice and during the game itself. Uh, second, you look at Michigan state's offense. Um, they started off well, 31 and 45 points uh, in wins over central Michigan and Richmond. After that, you know, there's a lot of talk about how bad the offenses in the big 10 West have been, or about how bad IU's offense has been or how bad Rutgers offense is. The worst offense in the Big Ten resides in East Lansing. You look at the point totals since those first two games, 7, 9, 16, 24, 0, 12, 20, and 3 last week against Ohio State. That's, that's an average of just over 11 points over the past eight games. So really against any type of major conference opposition, they're averaging just over 11 points a game. Uh, Kaiten Hauser starting at quarterback for them, um, completing less than 60% of his passes on only 5.8 yards per attempt. I'm sure that this offense is kind of reviewing that tape against Illinois and licking their lips a little bit. Uh, but for Indiana's defense, this is an opportunity to show some pride and bounce back. Uh, against an offense that really has been dreadful uh, and doesn't have much in the way of weapons that should worry you. Uh, not saying IU's going to lock them down because after what we just saw, I certainly can't predict that. But this Michigan State offense should not be putting up big points against against anybody, uh, and they haven't. Um, no, their the offense part- is averaging fewer points than Iowa. And I always been a national yeah. joke. Right, right. The, like, the part of this this team that actually has been pretty good is their success in the red zone. Um, Michigan State converting on eighty seven point five percent of their red zone chances, which puts them in the top thirty five of the country. 
So they're not elite in that aspect. But once they do get down to the red zone, they actually do a pretty good job of converting those chances. Um, and then they're they're allowing only 78.5% of chances against them. Again, top 35 in the country. Uh, Indiana, 117th in the country, converting only 73.9% of red zone chances. And IU is allowing 92% of red zone scores. Uh, so when teams get in the red zone, they score 92% of the time. That is 118th nationally for the Hoosiers. So in both categories, offense and defense in the red zone, Michigan State in the top 40, IU in the bottom third, um, of, and in, in one case in the bottom 10% uh, of, the, uh, of the country in those two categories. So you know, if it comes down to red zone chances and who can do better there, uh, that does not bode well for Indiana. Um, but look, Michigan State is playing out the string. They have been really, really bad. This is a team that, honestly, even a, like a B-minus game from Indiana should be good enough to beat this Michigan State team. Um, I understand if anybody would look at this and say, how can I possibly trust this IU team? Well, Michigan State fans are saying the exact same thing. How can we possibly trust this Michigan State team to do anything against anybody? So I, I think it really is a matter of which of these two teams is able to focus and have effort during the week of practice and then show up on Saturday and put forth a good effort. Um, I think whichever of the two teams can do that is the one that's going to come out on top. Yeah. And, you know, people might say these games are meaningless and yeah, I use not going to go to a bowl and whatever, but these are two teams you recruit against um, and two teams who are kind of on par with IU with Michigan state and, and Purdue it's important to get these trophies and a lot of people care, care about them as, as well. Um, you know, it impacts fundraising. I have no scientific data on that, but I would assume that if you paraded around the uh, old brass platoon and the old oak and buckets, some alumni things and say, Hey, we want to keep these. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it, it, it'll help down, down the road. I, it, plus I find it very difficult to, to want Purdue to beat Indiana, um, especially in football, but it's, you know, it's, it's a game that it's not, IU couldn't give tickets away. They, they ask season ticket holders, uh, Hey, if you get your donations in, but, or not donations, your deposits in, by Thursday, we'll give you two free tickets to the game on Saturday and stuff like this. So, but it's a it's an important game for for just the the health of the program, regardless of if Tom Allen is back or not. Uh, you'd like to go into the off season with both of your trophies, uh, especially since I believe Michigan State comes off the schedule um, here in the uh, next couple of years. Where if you can hang on to that trophy for a couple of years, uh, you're you know, it helps it's perception uh, and, and stuff like that. So yeah, Indiana, if they, Indiana doesn't be, beat very many teams playing their B game recently, but 
again, Michigan State's out of bowl contention. Uh, their staff is is likely done. Um, done there with uh, Harlan Barnett. You know, uh, they're probably going to bring in a whole new staff at the end of the year. But it, this is a game where Indiana needs to show that if Tom Allen has any pull in the locker room still, Indiana comes out and plays well the last two games. And that, that'll that show you, are the players bought in? And if there hasn't been a decision made, that might be – and this is why people want them to lose out. But if, if this team buys in and plays well – and and plays hard like they have you know the last couple weeks it's uh you know probably a sign that tom allen still carries some water in the in, in the locker room and and stuff like that while it might not mean much uh it, it's still you still really want those trophy games uh and, and things like that so let's go to a matchup to watch tj what's your your matchup to watch uh, I'm going to go with Indiana secondary against the Michigan State passing game, which again has been awful. Um, but I, I, I think you've got to know whether or not this IU secondary, which honestly we were pretty excited about the performance of some of the younger guys uh, until that game against Illinois. Um, I, I want to see if that was just a complete and total fluke and just, something that, yeah, you keep in the back of your mind, but don't necessarily panic and think that that's who these guys are. Or if they go out and give up a lot to Michigan State and to Caton Hauser, then you look at it as, well, maybe the previous work was a mirage and these guys are really not good and we've got to figure out a solution in the secondary as well. Um, so I, I think you need to kind of see is this secondary capable of bouncing back or is the IU secondary a list or a, a problem that you add to that list of issues for whoever the coach is in 2024 to, to get addressed um, that that that's kind of what I want to see and again this Michigan State passing game is not one that you should be giving up major major yardage or points to uh, this is a game that the IU secondary if they are going to bounce back, this is the one you'd want to have. Um, so I'm interested to see that. The second one is, you know, the continued growth of Brendan Sorsby. Uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch and offers uh, major, you know, major excitement and optimism moving forward. So if you want to look on the positive side of it, you'd look at, hey, I want to continue to watch Brendan Sorsby play and, and continue to watch him grow. Yeah, and, you know, with the transfer portal, it kind of takes that fun out of it the next, you know, I want to watch these young guys play for next year and stuff like that, and it kind of changes your, um, you know, kind of your strategy on playing young guys. If there's a really good young guy, do you really want him putting it on tape for other coaches to see and, and stuff like that? Now, I don't know if that is going on or not, but as fans, um, yeah, watching these young guys develop – and it could it, you know used to be something fun oh, okay now we get to see the 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 freshman richard freshman sophomores play but yeah seeing the the development of brandon soresby uh will be uh you know will be key over the next two games uh it's again matchup opponents who are not going to really overwhelm you 
with anything. So you should be able to see what he could do. And you, you saw it against you saw it against Illinois. They they Brandon Sorsby looked really good. Um, you know, what I'm watching for my matchup to watch on on Saturday is gonna be Indiana's buy-in versus Michigan State's buy-in. Which team is gonna be on quit watch? And that's something you brought up a couple weeks ago when they lost to Rutgers. And which which team is on quit watch? Because we've seen Indiana fold it in 2021. Uh, 2022, they came back. They looked like they were going to get boat raced by Michigan State, came back and won that game, put together a solid first quarter against Purdue before Dexter Williams gets hurt. But, you know, both of these teams – one team is definitely going to have a new staff. Another team might have a new staff. Uh, and Indiana put all their chips into, hey, we have to go 4-0 in our four-game season. And they went 1-1 one and one in the first two games. Uh, h- how do you emotionally bounce back from that? So which team is all in uh, for the this game is, is going to take the, the old brass platoon. So uh, let's just get to predictions. I this is a pick against Michigan State because I, I think that they are uh, really bad um, on offense and I, I the defense is a little better but it's still not good and I I do think Indiana has uh, a unit that's playing with some confidence and playing pretty well right now uh, which is more than Michigan State can say um, so I'm gonna go with Indiana winning this game um, I don't think it's going to be nearly as high scoring as what IU versus Illinois was just from a you know game flow standpoint I think it's going to be quite a bit different but I'll go Indiana winning this one uh 27 to 17 and again that's not me saying that I've got a lot of confidence in this IU squad it's me picking against Michigan State who I think is ready to move on uh, to to next season and, and their coaching search um, I think all the players know that. I think they're, the current coaches that they have know that. I think everybody's lining up where they're going to be at next year um, and are ready to be done with it. So that's my pick, um, and it will leave Indiana with four wins going into the bucket game. Um, and then, you know, that's an opportunity to, to, to beat Purdue, which is always important. So uh, that's what I'll go with. It's not something I pick with any confidence, just having seen Michigan State. I think that's the worst team in the Big Ten. Yeah, statistically, they look like it. Um, it it's this game. I, this game has a, the college football sickos game written all over it. it it's two teams yeah. that are probably at the bottom of the Big Ten, bottom of the Big Ten in scoring uh, and all of that stuff. I think IU is still they're a four and a half point favorite. The over under is at 47 and a half. I think it hits under. Um, yeah, it, it might this might be one of those 17 14 you know 20 to 17 games uh but you know the way the offense played they could put up more points than that um i i'm gonna go 24 14 indiana uh in, in this one they get they keep the the old brass platoon get some momentum going into purdue uh, and, you know, hopefully the decision, whatever decision it is on Allen has been made uh, because the transfer portal does open on December 5th. And that is 
like a week after the season ends. So that's why you see all these these coaching changes two weeks before uh, before the season ends and all that stuff to get people lined up. So hopefully these last two games don't influence uh, decisions that have been made or, or will be made. Um, but it's enjoy the two trophy games. This is the the part of college football that's kind of going away is your regional rival rivalries with conference expansion. And over the last couple of years, Michigan State, Indiana has become a nice rivalry. Um, and then, of course, you know, IU Purdue, uh, heated, hated rivalry. I don't even want to throw nice in there. Um, so th- these two games mean a lot to a lot of people. And I, I don't blame people for wanting to lose out. I, I get it. I understand it. Um, but it's also you, you want to beat your rivals as a competitor, too. So that does it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Indiana kicks off at noon. It'll be noon kicks the rest of the way, but they kick off at noon on Saturday in Memorial Stadium against Michigan State. The game will be on Big Ten Network uh, in the battle for the old brass platoon. Also, uh, it is in for Indiana Day with Hoosiers Connect. They have some great stuff up there, including gear that you could buy, um, they have put up a an interview with Scott Dolson. Um, they have uh, a couple of the basketball players on live right now. They have hats, belts, um, tumblers, uh, stickers, sweatshirts, uh, polo shirts, anything, all that stuff. Uh, you could give now at inforindiana.com. As of the end of this podcast, a little update on the donations out of the million dollar goal and it's a million dollar match indiana has raised right now thirty nine thousand one hundred and eighty four dollars so i'm heading to bloomington right now we're going to talk to philip bleedy and aaron casey so look for that on hoosierhuddle.com this afternoon between 1 30 and 2 30 it'll also be on our um Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. So TJ, thanks for uh, jumping on with us uh, early morning preview podcast. Uh, I guess this is a a, a nooner of a podcast uh, according to us. And then, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see you for uh, the bucket game preview next week. Yeah. Hope everybody has a enjoyable week. Enjoy the the nice fall weather and um, hopefully we'll be having a, rare victory podcast uh, it was nice having that uh, last week while it lasted hopefully we get back to that here to end the season yep weather has been spectacular here in november uh in in indiana at least so go out and enjoy the weather uh it should be great weather for the spittoon game too if you have nothing to do on saturday uh get down to, to bloomington and catch the final home game it is senior day for IU as well. Lots of seniors like Aaron Casey, who have put a lot of time and effort into this program and have had a couple of successful seasons as well in terms of bowl games. So uh, what better way to thank them than uh, go support the football team in the final home game of the season. Anyway, that does it for our podcast today. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, and don't forget to head over to all in for Indiana uh, com today uh check out what we're doing uh donate if you want to buy some gear that also goes to the nil fund as well uh so nil is big deal and uh we'll be talking to 
Aaron Casey and Philip Bleedy about the impacts NIL has had on them and uh, the impacts they make on the community uh, via the opportunities opened up by NIL. So check it out.